Isaiah chapter 6, and I pray that the Lord will use this passage to um, draw us all closer to himself. You know, the truth of that song is not found in knowing about tomorrow. The truth of that passage is found in the one who holds tomorrow. It's all about him. You know, possibly there has been one phrase or one saying that has been mentioned more in in Christian uh, settings that people look forward to hearing there, and it's that saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I think many of us would look forward to the day when we would hear God and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and trying to serve him and love him and, and doing what he has called us to do. And Isaiah chapter 6, I think, gives us an understanding from God himself that there are a few things that if we're going to truly serve God in the sense that he would have us to, that we all need to evaluate in our own lives. See, um, not everything done in the name of Jesus Christ is service to Jesus Christ. There's a lot of things done in this world, especially in our day and age, that are done under the banner, so to speak, of Christianity or done under the banner of Jesus Christ that has nothing to do or very little to do with serving God himself. In fact, there's things that are done in our world today and and especially in our nation that would say this is is pleasing to God because it's serving to God and I'm not trying to uh, point out any specific thing in the sense of uh, standing up on a soapbox, so to speak, and and pointing out things. But there are churches that are so busy with social programs for the people of their church and little to do with God himself. See, the truth is, is that God desires us to serve him in the capacity that he wants and desires for us to do it's not a matter of sometimes oh i think this would be good to do for god and then we go and do it because we say we're doing it in the name of jesus that he's then pleased by it that's not how it truly works the truth is is that we must find where god would have us to be and i think isaiah chapter 6 gives us an understanding it gives us if you will a little bit of light shined on the truth of what it means to truly serve God, what it means to have true service. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, the Bible tells us here, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, and twain, and with twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled of His glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eye have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. 
Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell the people. Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, until the houses without man and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away, and there is a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet it shall be a tenth, and it shall return, and shall be eaten as a teal tree and as an oak, whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves, so that so the holy seed shall be their stup, the substance thereof. We see here in Isaiah chapter 6 an account of, of Isaiah recalling to us, if you will, uh, that year that King Uzziah died. We find, uh, if we went and we studied uh, in Kings and Chronicles, that King uh, Uzziah, or um, as he's mentioned by name in, um, in Chronicles, Amaziah, that he was a king that did that which was right in the sight of God. And he said, in the year that Uzziah died, Isaiah speaking through God's Holy Spirit prompting him says, it was in that year that I saw the Lord high and lifted up. When you go back and you look at chapter 5 and you see this great preaching that um, God had put into the word of, uh, of Isaiah here and we look and if you will, if you'll look for just a moment to verse 5, it says, And now go to of chapter 5, And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall beaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And through the rest of the chapter 5 here, uh, Isaiah begins to proclaim what God had told him to do. He's serving God. And he's saying in that chapter, the woes, the woe unto them, the woe unto them, the woe unto them. Throughout the chapter, you'll see that phrase repeated over and over as he's preaching the word to the people and the inhabitants there who have gone against God, have moved away of God, in spite of the fact that the king that was serving was one who did that which was right in the eyes of God. They come to chapter 6 and it says, Isaiah saying it was in the year that the Lord uh, that the king Uzziah died that I saw the Lord high and lifted up sitting upon his throne and he begins to describe what he saw there in in glory as as he sees God and he sees his glory and he sees the angel and then he comes to verse number 5 and he says then says I woe unto me and we see here that as we see in, in Isaiah's life he's saying I had an opportunity where I was serving God and then I saw God and then God called me to true service. See, oftentimes for us, uh, true service is about serving God in the today instead of the yesterday. See, many of us are Christians, we live in yesterday's calling to serve God. And we do not live in today's calling to serve God. What I mean by that is this, is that so often we know that God has called us to, to be a Sunday school teacher or called us to do this or called us to lead in this capacity or called us to give a track or called us to do that and we live off of yesterday's service instead of living serving God today. 
We, we, we live off of the actions that we're doing and call it service to God. But true service to God has more to do with the attitude of our heart towards God than it does the actions for God that we do. See, we live in a, we live in a world, we live in a nation of Christianity where if we do something for God, we're serving Him. But oftentimes we're just giving, so to speak, lip service. We'll serve God, we'll do something inside the church walls, and we call it service for God and never truly, honestly live it in our heart. James said this, he says, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And so oftentimes we serve God when we walk through the buildings of the door or occasionally every once in a while at the end of a, a meal we'll pass out a track or we might give it to the gas station attendants. But there's a lot of times that we go throughout our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our daily lives, and serving God is so far from our mindset. That's not true service. True service is not doing something. True service is living for God, living unto God, living with God in mind. And Isaiah in chapter 6 gives us a few things that we see here in this passage about what it means to truly serve God. The truth is, is this. There's a lot of people in this world that call themselves Christians because they believe that the Bible is true. That's not what a Christian is. The word Christian means little Christ or followers of Jesus. There's a lot of Christians in this world who are Christians because they've come to know Christ as their personal Savior, but they never live it out. They they never exercise the muscle of faith, if you will. They claim Christ, they claim the salvation that He gives, but that's about the extent of where it goes. And then we look at our nation and we wonder why a nation that was founded on Christian principles, that was founded on the Word of God and truths we find in the Word of God, is crumbling all around us. The truth is, is because we as Christians have stopped living as Christians truly should live and we've allowed everyone else to go on about their way. Isaiah says here in verse number 8, he said, I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I can't help but think that in the day and age we live that God is on the throne and He's saying, who will go? Who will serve? Who will be the one to take the call? And so oftentimes what we do is we hear those things and we think, well, that's for the pastor to do or that's for the person who's committed themselves to full-time Christian service. That's for the staff members of the church to do. And that's exactly why we're in this situation because we have reduced Christianity and the service of God to something we do inside the church walls to an occupation done by a pastor to an occupation done by a staff member and we've allowed the rest of every one of us as far as Christianity to stop serving God on a daily, continual basis. And the truth is, is that we as Christians, it's time that we return to what is true service. If I were to ask you this morning, your evaluation of your service for God, 
If I were to say, give an account to yourself to, before God, if I were to ask you to say, what is your service to God? Are you serving Him? Are you truly serving Him? Someone in the room might say, yes, I, I serve in this capacity. I, I work in, in the nursery or I teach a Sunday school class or I, 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 I help usher or, or, or I serve in another capacity. Others might say, well, yes, I'm doing the best I can to raise my kids for Christ. And while all of those things may be service to Christ, it doesn't end there. There is so much more to true service. We're going to look in this passage in just a second and see what God says in His Word about true service that I believe will help us understand some things, some things that we need to renew again. Not new things. These are not things that we as Christians don't know. In fact, it's just simple things that we are reminded of that bring us once again to Christ and who He is. So if you would, pray with me and we'll ask God to speak with us. Dear Lord, we thank You for who You are. And God, help us to have a renewed vision of who you are. And God, may we as Christians return to true service, not in action, not in deed, but Lord, in our true heart's attitude towards you. God, help us. Thank you for your word, Lord. Forgive me of sin, Lord. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross Help me not to be seen, but only you. Go with us in our time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Isaiah chapter 6 here, we see Isaiah coming and he's speaking about what he saw. He's relaying an account, if you will. He's telling us something that he dealt with, something he's seen firsthand. And he's trying to help us understand what God did in his life so that he can then encourage those around him to do the same, to continue on. And he's talking about this service. He's saying, I was serving God, if you would, Isaiah 1 through 5. I was serving God, but it wasn't until Isaiah chapter 6 that I really got to the point, to the place in my life, that God did a work in my life and he brought me to the understanding that my service up to then had been as good as it could be in my limited capacity of understanding what God really wanted me to do. And it wasn't until Isaiah chapter 6, the beginning, and this, this vision I had, this understanding, this seeing of God that I had, till I could really truly serve God. And he comes to us in this passage, and it's almost as if God's saying to us, if you want to know what true service looks like, look at Isaiah chapter 6. We see a few things in the passage here, and, and I pray that as we walk through the passage, we'll, we'll be helped. I want you to see the first thing, that true service is always preceded by a clear vision of God. True service is always preceded by a clear vision of God. The truth is is that when we see God high and lifted up, when God has His rightful place where He's supposed to be, everything else falls into its rightful place. It isn't until we see God for who He truly is that we can understand how we're to truly serve Him. Look with me at this passage, Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah says here, It was in the year that the king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. And I want you to listen to the words that he says when he speaks of how he saw God. I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood seraphims, each one had six wings, and twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. 
And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Why don't you look at verse 4 with me? And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. I don't know about you, but I don't hear people talk about God in this way in the day and age we live in. Think about this. Isaiah giving his account of God, he says to him, he said, I saw God and I saw him high and lifted up. And his train, it filled the temple. It filled the holy place. The place that that no one was allowed to go until they had been cleansed. And and the place where where very few men ever walked in. The place where the, the sacrifice was given. The place where atonement was made. That's the place where God's presence filled. He says, it's so amazing who God was, that not only was His train in the temple, but the heavenly beings were above them, and they covered their face, and they covered their body, and they covered their feet, the holy beings, these angels, these created beings of God with their with their beauty and, and, and their glory that they have given to them from God, and they covered themselves because they understood that they were in the presence of the Almighty. They were in the presence of the Holy God. Not just once holy, but they would speak to one another, the Bible says, and they would cry out, He's holy! He's holy! He's holy! See, we don't serve a a God who's just holy. We serve a God who's holy three times over. Holy, holy, holy. That the angelic beings, these seraphims literally covered themselves in the presence of God because they understood that they were in the presence of the Almighty. He goes on to say, he says, when they cried out who He was, that He was holy, that just their voice describing who God was in His holiness, it shook the posts of the house. Do you see Him? Our God is not some person that we occasionally go to like, a, like an operator on a telephone call and say, hey, I need help, can you get me to this place? And yet so many times in our prayer lives when we come to pray to God, we pray with a limited understanding, a small view of who God is. I don't think God would be interested in this prayer request. Or we we come to Him with some of the most small items in fear that He's never going to hear or He's never going to answer. And sometimes, truthfully, we come in doubt, wondering if He can even do it. And yet, Isaiah had a glimpse of who God was, and he goes, This God is the Almighty. You know, Isaiah isn't the only person in the Bible who recalls an account of seeing God and how it affected them. Would you take your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 33 for just a moment? We'll look at a few of these, and this is not an exhaustive list by any means. I would encourage you if you have the time and if you're looking for a Bible study to do, to, to, to find these passages of people who have spent time with God. Exodus chapter number 33, and we'll begin reading here in verse number 12. 
Exodus 33 and verse number 12. And the Bible says, And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou savest unto me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, and that I might find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us up not from hence. Uh, as a brief just point here, he says, Look, God, if you're not going with me, I ain't going. Is basically what Moses is trying to say here. He says, if you're not going to go with us, I'm not leaving this place. Because I can't do it without you. Moses here goes on to say in verse 16, For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth? Verse 17 says this, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Verse 18 says, And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And God speaking to Moses says, and he said, thou canst not see my face. For there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and thou shalt stand upon a rock and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. It's interesting here in this passage, we're going to look here in just a moment as we continue here. We'll, we'll stay in Exodus and go to the next chapter. Moses says, God, I, I, I need you. If I'm going to do this thing, if, if I'm going to go, if I'm going to serve you with this capacity, if I'm going to take these children and lead them, I need you to know that you're going with us. And God says, I'll go with you. He says, but, but God, I don't need to just know you're going with me. I need to be assured of it. And I need to, to, to know that you're going to do what you said. And he says, I'll do what I say. Moses comes to him and he says, God, I have one more request. Will you show me your glory? Will you really show me who you are? Moses says, God, if I'm going to serve you and I'm going to know that you're going to be with me, would you just give me a glimpse that you are who you said you are? And God says again to Moses, he says, I'm going to go with you. I know you by name. I have called you. You can't look on my glory. No man can behold my face and live. But I'll tell you what I'll do, Moses. There's a rock. I want you to go, I'm going to put you up on this rock. And my glory is going to pass by. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover your face with my hand so that when I pass by, you'll just kept just a glimpse of my glory. And when my face has moved beyond, I'll take my hand down. 
And you can look at me as I walk by. You can see my back. And you'll get a glimpse of the glory of God. I don't know about you, but that'd be amazing. Could you imagine being in the presence of the Almighty God and Him covering your face just because He loves you, but to give you a glimpse of His glory? Moses goes on in chapter number 34, if you will. Look with me at verse number 28. I want you to see, uh, as you read chapter 34 in your time, it is about that time. It's God and Moses spending time together. It's this presence of him. He's saying, he's telling us what has happened in that time that God was covering Moses' face. And we come to the end of chapter number 34, and I want you to look with me at verse number 28. And it says, and he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He didn't either eat bread nor drink water, and he wrote upon the tables the word of the covenant and the Ten Commandments. Now, I want to I set the setting here, if you will, so we all get an idea. He spent 40 days with God's hand covering the face. 40 days they communed and they dwelled together. 40 days, the Bible tells us, that Moses didn't eat. He didn't drink water. He had no physical sustenance for 40 days these teenagers can't go 40 minutes without eating trust me i've been around them it's like bag of chips eating mommas and daddies saying they're eating me out of they can't go 40 40 minutes and moses went 40 days how because the truth is is that when it comes to us if we'd understand this truth that it's not about our flesh, it's about our spirit. We can live all the day long as long as our spirit is fed. But we're too worried about our flesh. That's why in Galatians chapter 5 that we talked about this morning in Sunday school, young people, where it says in verse number 16 that we should walk in the spirit and not walk after the flesh. That's the liberty we've been given. And Moses says... I spent 40 days, okay, 40 days in the presence of God, His hand covering my face, because if I had seen Him, I'd have died. We know that because God says it, right? Verse 29, And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. Verse 30, and when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh to him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in the Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with him, he put a veil on his face. And when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. Verse 35. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak to him again. Now we all have heard this story about Moses spending time with God and he had this glow about him. But remember, 
Go back to chapter number 33. God tells us, I'm going to cover your face with my hand. It wasn't the presence of God that caused Moses' face to glow. It was God's glory because his hand had been on Moses' face. Just his hand. Moses ends up serving God. If we're going to truly serve God like we should, we've got to understand, we've got to get a clear picture of who God is. Say, Moses was able to come down and serve how? Because he realized he was in the presence of the Almighty One. Can I also say this? That when we spend time with God and we're in true communion with God, it better be evident and it should clearly be evident to the people around us. Because when the glory of God is on our lives, those around us will know it. It wasn't just Moses. Would you take your Bible over and turn with me to the book of Ezekiel quickly, please? Ezekiel chapter number 1. Ezekiel chapter number 1. Not only did Moses see the glory of God before he served him, Isaiah see the glory of God, but here here we see in Ezekiel chapter 1 that Ezekiel himself had this, this point of true service preceded by the clear vision of God. In verse number 25 it says, And there was a voice from the firmament that was over their heads uh, when they stood and had let down their wings. Speaking of the the angels, if you'll, you'll read above there. Verse number 26, And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above it. And I saw as the color of amber, as the appearance of fire round about within, from appearance of his loins even upward, and from the appearance of his loins even downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about it, as the appearance of the bow that was in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, and when I saw it, I fell on my face. And I heard a voice of one that spake, and he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me, and he spake unto me, and set me upon my feet, and I heard him, and he spake unto me. Ezekiel here speaking about the glory of God, he said, I didn't even get to see God. I just got a glimpse of the glow off of him, if you will. Look at the words he uses, the brightness that shined about him and the, and the, the glow or the brightness ar- around his throne and the, the brightness of his person. It was his fire. It, it was the glory of God that I saw. I didn't even see God. I just got a glimpse of his glory. And when I saw it, it caused me to want to go to action. No. So when I saw it, I fell down on my face really going to truly serve God we must have a clear vision of who he is we must have a clear vision if we were to take the time we could go to Acts chapter 9 we all know the story a man named Saul walking on the road a light shines down from heaven and speaks and he says Saul Saul why persecutest thou me Saul got a vision of God before he really truly went into service. 
Remember what was Paul's first answer after seeing God's glory. What will thou have me to do? See, the truth is, is when we see God in true service, the truth is, is that we'll be compelled to action. It's not about the action. It's about the attitude, the glory of God compelling us to action. We could go to Revelations chapter 1, verses 12 through 19, and see what John says about when he saw God and he saw him in that beautiful picture. Can I ask you a question this morning? When I say the word God, when I speak of him and his name, what's your vision of God? The truth is, is we're all limited to some point. I've never seen God in his glory with mine own eyes. But you know what's amazing? God's given us all the same opportunity to see the same glory of God. It's right here in his word. And so true service is always preceded by a clear vision of God. Can we go back to Isaiah, if you don't mind, and we'll see the second thing, that not only is true service preceded by a clear vision of God, but true service pivots on the confession of sin. Why don't you look at this passage with me in Isaiah and what Isaiah says and does and what it causes him to do. Isaiah chapter 6 And the Bible says in verse number 4, And the posts of the door moved, and the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Notice the next word. It's a transitional phrase. It's a transitional saying, then. You know, sometimes in our Bibles, in our Bible reading, we, we, we miss out on some of the most powerful words because we just overpass them. Then is a powerful word. The reason why then is a powerful word because it helps us understand that this could not truly happen as it did had something not come before. See, had it not been for God revealing His glory to Isaiah, then he would have never seen himself as he truly was. True service always pivots on the confession of sin. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. Now remember, chapter 5, he's been serving God. Right? He's been serving God. God came to Isaiah and said, Hey, I want you to serve me. I want you to say these things. I want you to preach these words. I want you to speak out the woes unto the people. Tell them what it means to go against me and against my word and the truths that I've told them. You speak unto them the woes. But when Isaiah, when Isaiah got that true glimpse of God, when he truly saw God in his glory, it wasn't woe unto you. Isaiah had to say, Hey, woe unto me. It's my sin. It's my sin. See, when we get a true glimpse of God, we'll truly understand once again where we are. You got a true glimpse of God, I pray, that day you trusted Christ as your Savior. You got a true glimpse of His grace. And you said, God, I cannot make it to heaven. I cannot have eternal life outside of your grace in my life and trusting what you did on Calvary's cross. But can I tell you this? You can't live the daily life without having a true glimpse of the glory of God. 
And it's not a one-time thing. We must daily see God for who he is. And when we do, there will be no sin that we don't go, oh God, my sin is ever before me. Remember the passage of scripture? You finish it. Mine eye affecteth my heart. When, God, when Isaiah saw God, it caused his heart to be repentive of his true sin. And it wasn't some wicked thing. He didn't say, woe is to me, I'm a murderer. Woe is to me, I'm an idolater. Woe is to me, I, I, I'm an adulterer. No, no, no. He said, woe unto me, I'm a man of unclean lips. True service pivots on the confession of sin. To truly serve God, we must truly see God for who He is. And when we see God for who He is, we will quickly be reminded of our sin and iniquity before a thrice holy God. True revival and true service to God will never come till we are truthful with ourselves about who He is and our sinfulness that is keeping it from happening. I don't know about you. I've, I've come to altars. I've prayed for revival. I've prayed for God to move. God, send revival. But when we truly get our sin right with God, revival will happen. Not only is it preceded by a clear vision of God, and not only does it pivot on a confession of sin, but true service is prompted by surrender of self. Look at what Isaiah says. Verse number 7, it says, And laid upon, talking about the coal, it laid upon my mouth, and lo, hath this touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. He's confessed his sins. It's been forgiven by God, because when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins. Forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, the Bible says. Isaiah confessed his sins before God. God cleansed his sins. And he comes and he says, and then after my sins were purged, he said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send and who will go for us? See, it wasn't, it wasn't, okay, Isaiah, what do you want to do for me? What's your plans? What ministry do you want to serve in? What action do you want to take? Who do you want to go to and, and teach and preach the word of God to? No, no, no. God says, I just need a willing person. True service is not about ability, it's about availability. It's simply this. God, you want me to serve? Here am I. Isaiah didn't say, okay, God, I hear you. Uh, He said, by the way, he said, here am I, send me. He didn't say, God, I hear you needing help, but um, I'm not really comfortable with two-year-olds, especially ones that are not potty trained, because I don't really like, you know, the dirty diaper thing, and so... I'll serve, but it's not in the nursery. You know, I, 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 um, I'm okay, um, you know, I, Lord, you've given me this ability to, to sing. I enjoy singing, but I'm not going to do it if I've got to stand up in front of people, maybe for a solo or something. Oh, oh okay, God, so, so you've given me a voice, you've given me a mouth, you've given me salvation, but I can't tell someone else about that. Anything but that, God. 
No, no, no. When we have a clear vision of God and a confession of sin, the only answer that really is is a surrender to self and saying, here am I, send me. Wherever you want, God, whatever capacity, whatever place, whatever time, whatever it costs, here am I, send me. There were no qualifications. There were no limitations put on it by Isaiah. All Isaiah truly said in his true service is, here am I. In fact, look at the message that he ends up being cast or, or carried with to, to, to take to the people of Israel. <laughs> Basically, it's the message, you haven't listened, you haven't heard, you haven't seen, and you're not going to, here comes my judgment. Let me ask you a question for a second. Could you take that message to your family members, your people, Sorry, but your chance is up. God's bringing his wrath upon you. Sorry, you've had a chance to repent and turn back. Here comes the judgment of God. That's not a message that is pleasant. But Isaiah didn't say, oh God, I can't do that. He said, here am I, send me. It all is a matter of this one truth. We must have a true vision of God. When we stop with our dreams, our ideas, our plans, and simply say to God, here am I, that's when we can begin true service. True service is again, once again, about our heart's attitude and not about our actions. Remember this, Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies, that self-surrender, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Because when we see God for who he is, we understand his glory and the mercies thereof. We can't help but say, here am I, send me. Whatever you want, I'm yours. And so the question comes to this, because when we come to this, immediately each and every one of us, no doubt, are thinking about what is the service God would have me to do? How does he want me to serve? But let me ask you a question. What does your service in your home look like? Wives, how do you serve your husbands? Husbands, how do you serve your wife? I'm speaking in Christ. Do you push them to God on a daily basis? Do you encourage them in the word? Do you uplift them and strengthen them in their walk with God? Parents, are you driving your children in love to God or are you provoking them under wrath unto God? Are you pushing them away from God because you claim to be God's person in this house and your actions and they see you? Remember what pastor preached? They're watching us. In the church, not in an action, but how are you serving 
each other on a, on, a, on a daily basis in your love and uplifting and praying to your community. Is this Christian life something you do Sunday morning, Wednesday, Sunday night, occasional Saturday, passing out a track here or passing out a track there? True service is not given to a time frame. True service begins and should begin when we know Christ is our Savior and it shall never end. Can I remind you something? Revelation tells us what we'll do for all eternity. We will serve God. And you want to know why we'll serve God for all eternity in heaven? Because we'll have a true glimpse of who he is. We'll be in his presence. And we'll constantly be reminded about the glory of God. And we'll have no other desire than for us to take the place of those seraphim saying, Holy, holy, holy is our God and worthy is the lamb that was slain. What's your service like? Have you been serving God to the best that you can? That's great. But do you need to have a renewed vision of God this morning? In just a moment, we're going to bow our head and close our eyes. I encourage you to come to this altar and ask God for that clear vision of God once again. Maybe this morning you've been reminded about who God is and you know of sin that was brought to your mind by the Holy Spirit that needs to be confessed. Or maybe it's time that you give up yourself and your ideas and your dreams and you say, okay, God, I'll serve you as we pray together. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, may we see you for who you are. May we see you high and lifted up. God, can we truly see your train filling the temple and the glory shown about. God, may we be like Moses and just have a small glimpse. God, show us your glory. Even if it means you have to cover our face, God, would you please reveal your glory to us? Lord, help us to truly serve as you would have us to serve. God, may we put playing games of service and truly begin to serve you for who you are. Lord, would you bring sin that we've had unconfessed to you. Bring it to our attentions. Help us to call out to you in forgiveness. And God, help us to surrender our lives completely, entirely to you. Because this is only reasonable. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.